0: Habits and Health, episode 99. Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to another edition of Habits and Health and my guest today, Tom Glazer a licensed psychologist and life coach with 35 years of experience. He's also a best-selling author and a yoga instructor. His book, Full Heart Living Conversations with the Happiest People I Know, is a bestseller, best-seller on Amazon. And whether he's counselling, writing or teaching, his passion is helping people live their best lives that flow. And we're going to talk about what that means why he called his book full heart living what he learned from the project and a lot more so that's this week's episode with tom glazer if you know anyone who gets some value from this please do share the episode with them i hope you enjoy this week's show habits and health my guest today tom glazer how are you tom i'm well how about you tony i'm doing well where i am is not anywhere near as warm (laughs) where you are (laughs) But I can't complain because recently we had a very cold spell, but at the moment it's pretty mild, so yeah,
1: it's fine Nice, do you have snow on the ground?
0: No, well, it's a few weeks ago we had a lot of snow Yeah And then we had a warm, well, warm for England in December Yes Uh, And all the snow, I mean, literally, I've I've never known this in my life before We went through a period of a couple of weeks where it was like minus something every single day And then we had a period of snow and then suddenly went up 15 degrees overnight it was like I've never known it to go that quick in the winter you know to, to go up by oh, like that wow. much so yeah so at the moment I don't know what it's probably eight nine degrees something like that but, yeah there's
1: no snow okay well from where I am I can see snow on the top of the mountains but I don't have to drive or walk through it <laughs> <laughs> just just for, our, for our listeners who aren't where, where are you? I'm in Palm Springs, California, which is where my husband and I winter now. But most of the year we're in Minneapolis area, Minnesota. Yeah,
0: Prince territory.
1: Yes, that's right. You got it. Yeah, I was a <laughs> big, big Prince fan. Raspberry beret, man. Oh, yeah, man. party like it's 1999,
0: all that. Absolutely. So listen, listen, Tom. So you're. A licensed psychologist and life coach. And you've been doing this for, what, 35 years?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm an old guy and I've been doing it my whole career, so. So what,
0: which came first, psychologist or a life coach? Psychologist.
1: And why? Well, life coaching wasn't even really a thing back then. I mean, it probably- Why
0: why psychologist? What, What made you want to get into that?
1: Oh, I understand. Oh my gosh. Okay couple things. People uh, from a very young age, Tony, had told me what a good listener I am. Uh-huh. Uh, so I feel like I may have had some kind of natural talent in that area. Then in high school, uh, I had a phenomenal psychology teacher, Mr. Ryan, who's no longer walking the planet, sadly. Uh, but he was so inspirational and it introduced me to so many things. Uh um, you know, to me, psychology is the study of human behavior, of the soul, of our motivations. Uh, what could be more fascinating than the human mind? And everybody has a story. If you ask the right questions, most people will open up and they have. A story, and they—they have really good reasons. They made the decisions they made, and how they got here, and I find it infinitely fascinating. Mm. So I'm—I'm I'm, I'm never bored at my job, unless. You- oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, i you have you heard of a podcaster? He's a British guy, he's a doctor called Rangan Chatterjee.
1: No, well, I don't think of.
0: He has a line that he often says. And he talks about you know sometimes we see people do what seems like strange things to us. He says, "Well, if we had lived their life and been through the things that they've been through, yes, we would probably be doing exactly the same as as what they."
1: Exactly. Yes, I remember using that not in those exact words, but I remember saying that as far back ago as in the nineteen eighties. Yes, in the late eighties, I remember saying that to people. I was supervising a, a team. Working with a ton of diverse people, and yes, we would sometimes scratch our heads. It's hard for us sometimes to make sense of other people's choices and behaviors. But yes, there's to this is what I see. There's a reason they're doing that. Yeah. It always is a really good reason.
0: Yeah.
1: If we dig down deep enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I like the second part. You would make the same choice if you had their experiences. That's very helpful to remember that when we are puzzled or or worse uh troubled or triggered by someone else's behavior to, so that we can step back have some compassion mm. and particularly when we do learn their story typically there's trauma yeah when they're doing something that's difficult or challenging typically it's trauma based uh and w- if we knew their trauma we wouldn't be so judgmental yeah and it's not that we put up with inappropriate behavior. No, if someone's doing harm, we say, no, you may not do that. You must stop that behavior.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and we can also open our heart for someone who's done something harmful. Mm-hmm. And it's through that, that the person might, or at least will have more options for change in the future, right? If just one other person Offers them that heartful experience, interest in their lives. Why did you do that? What's going on? Um, then healing can occur and it's so exciting. Again, this is why my work is infinitely interesting and fascinating and even rewarding because the potential for, well, it's both. Here's what I say, Tony. I am stunned by the potential for people to change. I'm also stunned by the potential for people to remain stuck, mm. right? Like both continue to shock me or sh- shock, but not surprise kind of is, I guess, where I'm at. Mm. Um, change is hard, change is difficult, and it's possible. If we want it, if we want it, if it means enough to us, at any age, it's available. In relationship, that's the second piece that's so important and that I was getting at before, when someone shows interest in a troubled person, most troubled people are very, very lonely, extremely lonely. And when someone shows interest, again, opens their heart, asks some questions, re- remains non judgmental, the person has the opportunity. It, it's not a guarantee. We can't guarantee that someone else will open up, but it's more likely. As any of us, we all understand this when we're with someone else who is non-judgmental, interested. Uh, we feel safe, and we tend to open up. This is just human nature, and we're wired for that. That's the other thing. I feel like I'm rambling a bit. I hope you'll. I'm just trusting you to to, to stop me at any time. <laughs>
0: One thing that I was thinking as you were
1: saying that. Um, so I, I
0: would I be right in assuming, and it's never good to assume, but that people that come to you, you're, the patients that you're working with. The, just the fact that they're coming to you, surely that means they, they're open to change or are there some people you work with that aren't open to change, even though they have maybe sought you out?
1: Yes. I, it's, it's, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Generally speaking, people who come to me, especially at this stage in my career, they tend to be motivated. They tend to be ready. and, I remember years ago, and I, I'm not going to be able to, to, you know, call up the study at this point, but this has been studied and the great change takes pay, uh, takes place for people in between scheduling the first appointment and the first meeting. So before it even happens. Yeah. Right. So, c- c- and that indicates that they're primed. They're already making change just by virtue of getting serious about it. Uh, so, yes, that's all true. And there are some people who are still, even though they make an appointment with me, they are not truly ready. It, it's rare now at this stage. I, I tend to attract people who, as I say, are more ready. But every now and then, I run into somebody and they they just are not ready. It's either they're not ready or I'm not the right fit for them or they're not the right fit for me or both. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other thing. It's not... Uh, you uh, Healing, you know, they always say the relationship. They always say find a therapist or a coach that you really jive with. What does that mean? Someone you're comfortable with, someone who you feel really understands you. I feel like I understand a lot of people, but I'm not best for everybody. I'm like, I'm super sensitive. I'm highly sensitive, for instance. So people who are more attacking and angry... I'm not a very good fit for. There's other people who have a different disposition, different life experiences, and they're really good with that stuff. They know how to work with it and it doesn't bug them so much. Mm-hmm. Me, people get angry and they and they, and they sometimes clients do this and they they want to attack and it's all my fault and I couldn't possibly understand them and they call me names. You know, that's just because of my own history and disposition that it stirs me up too much and I get more unsettled. In the face of that and i know this is not uncommon for people in my field uh that said there's other people in our field who are really good with it so that's just one example yes so so it's a little bit of both mostly mostly people i see are very motivated ready to change and they're already open and they've and they've also here's the other thing being at this stage in my career people choose me specifically yeah. Right. There, there's a ton of screening has already happened way before the first meeting. Uh, when I, you know, when I was earlier in my career, I was just a person. They didn't, they had a name. They didn't know who I was. It was, it was blind. I worked in a big clinic or several or counseling centers. People would just get assigned randomly. You know, it's a bustling big thing. Um, and, and that's very different. We have to get to know each other and then determine. More are we a good fit, but usually people are specifically already choosing me because of things they know about me.
0: And um, when you said that, it also made me think that when people have decided they want to see a, a psychologist, a life coach, my guess—and you know, I could be wrong in this—is that many people spend a lot of time looking for someone who's the best, who's got a lot of experience, maybe qualifications, whatever. But in some ways, the most important thing is is that personality fit and whether totally. whether you're going to have the right, whether it, you're going to have a nice kind of blend or you're going to fit well with yes, person,
1: personality. Yes. Wins. Yes. Or like chemistry is a word yeah, that gets word. used. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's hard to define, right? We know it when, we, when there's a good fit, you feel yeah. it. You know it. Your yeah. body tells you. Yeah. If there's not a good fit, you're, you're more tense. So your how, body tells um, you.
0: So how would then someone who's decided they need the help of a psychologist I like, mm-hmm. whatever, and they're they're hunting or they're looking they're looking through the internet wherever they're looking yeah how would they now they may be thinking oh yeah that's that makes sense Psych- uh chemistry is very important so how what would you say what would they how would it what would be a good way to look for someone who has chemistry that fits with you?
1: Couple things come to mind. Uh, word of mouth is huge. So. Uh... Uh, and, and this is a huge way people find me: is friends tell them uh, that they saw me, or that they know someone who saw me. That that's the, or someone else refers them, a doctor or a, a you know, a, a, a clergy person. Um, so that personal recommendation is huge. Number one, number two, the wonderful thing of this age where we have access to videos. Uh you get a sense of people in in less than a minute really a few seconds, most of us we get a sense of a person just in a video clip so uh look at- you know if my mannerisms bug you I'm not a good fit for you right if the if the way I speak bugs you if the things I'm saying seem too i don't know esoteric or you know i'm i'm I bring in a lot of spirituality, not in not in like I'm telling people how to be spiritual. Like I'm just, I'm me. I bring all of my own spirituality and it blends into how I am, my presence with people. Uh, some people don't want that. They want someone more clinical. They want someone who's just going to do, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's mm-hmm. different strokes for different folks. That's why there's 31 flavors, all that stuff. So yeah, I think the video thing uh, and uh, word of mouth,
0: and so you talked about you started off as a psychologist. So what made you add being a life coach to what you did?
1: Several things. Uh, um, I wanted to serve more people. With uh, uh, psychology, we get really limited in who we can work with, where they reside, uh, how we can do things. Um, Nothing wrong with that. I really like that there are overseers, uh, helping protect the public. Really important. But, you know, I can, if I'm doing psychotherapy, I can only see residents of Minnesota, um, by, uh, my license and I could lose my license if I practice otherwise. So if I do life coaching, which is extremely similar in many, many ways, I can work with anyone in the world. Hmm. Um, that's really the number one reason I wanted to reach more people
0: it's interesting about 7-8 years ago I forget when it was I wanted to work with a new life coach business coach and, and in my, I can't remember why I thought this but I thought I want to find someone who not only is a good business life coach but has some sort of expertise in psychology as well, because then they're going to maybe understand how my brain works, which is going to help me better with what I'm trying to achieve and so on. It wasn't easy to find.
1: Right. <laughs> Bingo. Yes. I've heard that from many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are, there's some of us. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I yeah. did find someone, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. It took you. took yeah. you some work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it paid off.
0: May Absolutely. I ask? Yeah,
1: yeah. Nice. Yeah. The,
0: the, what I thought, the reason why I was looking for those certain things, it all came together and it made complete sense. Yeah. And it, yeah, it helped me. Yeah.
1: Good. Yes. Well, again, there's nothing wrong with whatever people's background is, is their background, and they bring what they bring. And it's mm-hmm. really. Beautiful, in my opinion, in most, in the vast majority mm. of cases, um, right. So I bring what I bring from my life and professional experience, and um, yeah, it's like everybody, <laughs> and we all have something to offer yeah. everyone.
0: And so there's, there's many different forms of psychology. There's CBT and cognitive behavioral
1: other. therapy. And so did you?
0: Study any one of those in particular, or a few of them?
1: Or? Oh yes, I've studied so many over uh, over my uh, time uh, through not just you know formal training in graduate school, but uh, continuing education beyond. And um, so, to my personal belief is that there are as many uh, types of psychotherapy, not just as, not not just as many as psychotherapists, but that each one is unique okay. with every client. Like something new emerges with every person. It's always unique. It's always unique because different things happen when different people come together. So... So I've studied all kinds. The the one in my more recent years that has made the most impact is called Accelerated Experiential Dynamic Psychotherapy, or AEDP. It's very attachment-based. It's uh, trauma-resolution-based, um, heavily using videotaping of sessions and then reviewing sessions with an advanced practitioner. So I learned so much, Um, and it's a very vulnerable experience, I might say, showing one's work, which is usually very private Mm -hmm. to other people, but super, super helpful, even after decades of experience, to share the work. Here's what happened in the session, and not just talking about it, which can be super helpful with consultants, but showing here's what happened in this moment. Let's look at options. How could you do better? super, super helpful to me.
0: And then, so when someone, you're working with someone and they may be giving you feedback on some things that you did with a particular patient, does it ever then happen where then you go back to the patient and maybe look at something again that you previously looked
1: at? Absolutely. And and own it and say, hey, I've really been thinking about that moment. Uh, This is what I did. I'm not sure that was best, you know, just saying that. Saying it out loud, here's what I wish I might have done instead. Okay. And then talking about that, right? So that's just real. That's just being human. Isn't that great role modeling right there? Mm-hmm. Right? That, Isn't that? That never happened. No. <laughs> you I mean, mean it never happens that a professional might do that? Yeah. Or I mean, in life? Well, both. Kind can, of both. <laughs> yes.
0: I can imagine that the, the the patient must be really surprised at that because yes.
1: They- Isn't what you expect, correct? But we're all human. We all make mistakes, right? There's always this. um, There are so many options we could make in any moment, right? And we, we, given what's happening in the moment, we make our best choice. We make the best guess in that moment. And sometimes all of us are off. Even those of us with decades of experience, I, I sometimes make. Uh, a a decision that maybe isn't for the highest good of the person and absolutely it's that repair Mm. that and again this is not just in psychotherapy Mm. this is in intimate relationships of any kind so when i can do this with my husband and trust me i do regularly oh my god i you know and i own it hey i was whatever i was i hadn't eaten enough that day right i was hungry and i snapped at you i'm so sorry I wish I would have done it this way. I'll keep working on it. Now, you know, we've been together thirty-five years. You know, again, right? We're we're always working. As long as we're alive, there are opportunities to improve, and that's that's part of it is accepting, right? I can't be an angel. I can't be perfect all the time. I try my best to do my best as much as I can, and I'm human, so sometimes I make a mistake. And yes, whether it's in psychotherapy or with one's partner or with one's child. This is a huge one. And parenting, it's impossible. And in fact, it's bad if you're a perfect parent. Uh, your child would have feel like they could never reach that potential. And I've had clients like this. They thought their parent was perfect, and they could never measure up, and then that's damaging. So you don't want to be a perfect parent. You don't want to intentionally do things to screw your kids up. Of course not. But when you make a mistake, Mark. Oh my honey, I'm so sorry. Uh, daddy was distracted and didn't attend to you well enough. I wish I would have done it this way. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. You own it, you make a repair. That strengthens the relationship. It's a good thing For friendships, it doesn't have to just be families, friendships. If you screw up, own it, move on. It's a good thing to do. So, So yes, so that does happen with clients. And of course I do that. Of course I do that. Very important. Yeah. I can
0: just imagine how happy, happy is not the right word, but I can imagine clients would really appreciate that. Yeah.
1: It's a relief, right? Oh my gosh, this professional and it's very vulnerable to be a client Mm -hmm. or patient, very vulnerable. You all, there's always this dynamic of feeling like the other person is, you know, you put them on a pedestal because they're trained and you know, you're revealing all your darkest, deepest secrets. And they say, wow, I made a mistake. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I have permission to be human too. Right. Oh, oh, sink in. Right. And then that self-acceptance and the self-compassion can come up. So earlier I was talking about having compassion for someone who has done something harmful. Mm -hmm. Now I'm talking about the other side of that, self-compassion. Wow. When a role model can own up to a mistake. Maybe I can own up to a, a mistake. Maybe mm. I can be okay and still show up in life, still show up in the world and do the good deeds that I came here to do, even when I screw up.
0: And, and on that self-compassion, and again, I'm doing a lot of guessing here, but again, my guess is that many of your clients, maybe the majority of your clients, don't give themselves enough self-compassion.
1: It's the number one thing. Right. If, if we really boiled it down, what I've come to realize is that what I'm doing, whether I'm life coaching, teaching, being a psychotherapist, I'm helping people learn or remember how to love themselves. That's what it comes back to if we distill it down. And it's not just clients. There's an epidemic in Western culture of self-hatred. Yeah, It's not just people who are in psychotherapy.
0: And what you people, just said about getting people to love themselves, that sounds like something that now in 2022, nearly 2023 is, is an accepted phrase. I don't think that was five, 10 years ago. Something just as a simple phrase as that.
1: Self love. Yeah. It, it wasn't used as much. Yes. Yeah. It is becoming more. Um, well, there were forces that it attacked the attempt to instill self-esteem in children, for instance, right? Are we raising a generation of narcissists? This was raised, was it 10 years ago? I can't remember. Maybe it was 15 years ago. Very publicly, right? It, my humble opinion, this was just journalists needing something to do, right? Really, I think that was a piece of it uh, with the 24-hour news cycle. <laughs> and the truth is and and, and there are um there is stigma about some of the younger generations that they are self-absorbed and actually i was just reading about this the other day in fact there's no evidence of that there's more narcissists now than there ever were there's no evidence of that at all yes may more recent generations indulge children a little too much that's possible i'm i'm not saying there's nothing to that mm-hmm. we do we want to be careful with parenting, very careful. Uh, we don't want to reward every behavior. We don't want to just say everything you do is good. No, no, that doesn't help people. Mm. But have have we damaged a, a whole generation? No, there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Uh, and there is evidence that the the levels of mental health distress are going up. There's more depression. There's more anxiety. Mm. Where does it ultimately stem from not loving ourselves is what, in my humble opinion, now, who am I? What do I? There's so much I don't know. Yeah, so I'm learning more and more every single day. But from what I know so far, that's what I see from my position. So
0: do you think that your the patients you're working with, when they are able to love themselves more, they get more contentment, I don't know what, happiness, um, fulfillment in their lives.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's that self-judgment that troubles us, that brings us down, that brings anxiety. Mm -hmm. We're working so hard to be so perfect, and then when we do make a mistake, we get down on ourselves. Oh my God, it lends itself to anxiety and depression. And when we can wake up, and here's where mindfulness comes in, Mm -hmm. the first step is just noticing, oh, I'm doing that thing in my mind. I'm saying that thing to myself. Oh, so I'm not getting down on myself for doing it. I have a curiosity about it. Wow, there I go again. There's that thing. It's in my mind. Is it really true? Might there be another possibility? Can I refute the the untrue part of that? Mm -hmm. Can I approach it a different way, with more neutrality, with more support? Think about being in a classroom. Think about your favorite teachers. If they just harped on you all the time, you felt like you couldn't do anything right, and you stopped. Your creativity was squelched, right? Yeah. Most of us have that experience, like with art, where especially when we were young, we. Tr- I, I just distinctly remember this exact thing. Uh, the assignment was to draw a pine tree. I was so happy with my pine tree. This was fourth grade. <gasps> I was so happy. I showed it to the teacher, and she was like. You think that looks like a pine tree? I thought I couldn't draw from then for years. Yeah. Not until an adult, when I was brave enough to take an adult education drawing class. And I had a teacher who was like, Oh my gosh, that looks really good. I love what you did that. She was like, Wow, I've never seen a pine tree. It wasn't literally this, but it was like, <laughs> right. it was like that. I've never seen a pine tree look like that. That's so cool. That's beautiful, right? And then I'm like, oh, oh, I, I could do something. And you know, I think of myself as not a professional artist, but I like I do watercolor sometimes. I play with acrylics. I make reading cards. Like, I just do it. It's it's just for fun. Mm-hmm. Just for because I like to give people cards, handmade cards.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by your your book, the title of your book. Full Heart Living Conversations with the Happiest People. I've. Yeah. Um, There's a few things I want to dig into on this. Okay. Um, Let's start with a title, Full Heart Living. Yeah. Why, how, where did that come from?
1: So my my working title for a long time was Choosing Happiness. My original title was Choosing Happiness, Conversations with the Happiest People I Know. And uh, two things, to use the happy word twice. It's kind of a waste of a word, as, as one of my editors pointed out. And um, also, far more importantly, I realized, although it, the book started with looking at happiness, first of all, everyone in my book, not everyone, so many people in the book talked about so much more than happiness. They talked about ways to live. And they talked about living with their whole heart. Uh, so that's, To really reflect what I really got, though I I interviewed the happiest people I personally know, that was the basis of the book, I realized it's so much more. So happier people live with their whole heart. What does that mean? So first of all, there's 20 chapters or so in my book. I can't remember the exact number. There's all kinds of things that happier people do. They're very, very grateful. They take really good care of their bodies. They live in alignment. With their values and more. The top things people do in my experience from the people I interviewed is they connect really deeply with other people. They have heart to heart relationships with people who love them and who they love that reciprocity. Mm. They have tribes. They have places they go where they feel accepted. They connect deeply with themselves. Again, this is through the heart. They, this is where mindfulness comes in, which I mentioned just a few minutes ago. They're in the present moment. They know who they are. They honor their rhythms. They're good to themselves. The self-compassion stuff. Number three, happier people connect with their passions. They do things they love. They do activities that they adore that bring them into that flow state where they lose all track of time. So. To repeat, they connect deeply with other people, themselves, and their passions. When they do those things in the service of the greater good, when they give back, when they want to make the world a better place, that's when it all comes together and people really get to that next level of joy. So how else to describe this in a few words other than full heart living? My goodness. (laughs) That's why I named it full heart living. (laughs)
0: what is your objective with the book what
1: do you hope that people will get from them oh my goodness i hope they'll wake up to those three gems i just mentioned i hope they will work on their or play with their relationships number one connect with people start with if you're lonely start with a person you're standing next to at the bus stop if they're receptive Start with the cashier as you're checking out, buying your groceries. Just look them in the eye and ask them genuinely how they're doing. You know, low-risk things. Maybe take a class like I did. Take an adult education class. Maybe art isn't your thing. Maybe it's pickleball. I'm just using personal examples here because I, I've taken up pickleball recently, too, and I've met some great people who I'm developing friendships with through playing pickleball. At sixty years old, hello. <laughs> so just take classes, do th- you know that you're interested in? You automatically meet people who have similar interests, so you already have something in common with them. I hope they will uh, look at their patterns of thought, as I was talking about earlier. If you're being, you know, bad to yourself, which, talking to yourself as you never would your best friend, let's say. Right. Look at that. Make new choices. Okay. That may be easier said than done. It is easier said than done. If it's really hard, reach out to a professional or reach out to a friend or a trusted family member and talk about it. I'm here's what it be honest. This is what I'm struggling with. The things that wound us almost always happen in a relationship. The things that most trouble us. It's because there was a rupture in an important relationship, almost always. Not 100%, but the vast majority. They can be healed only in relationship. So meet with someone that you trust. Could be a professional, it could be not. And be honest. Say your truth. Here's what I'm struggling with. See what happens. Often, just that sheer act of being vulnerable, being true, being honest, shifts something could be very subtle. Even if the, the change is extremely subtle, you want to capitalize on it. You want to um, validate it for yourself right away. You want to um, reward it. You want to say, wow, I did 1% different today. I did it better 1%. That's great. I've started. I'm on the path. That increases the chance that you will continue. If you just stop there, no, you're going to go back. You're going to fall back into your old habits. But if you keep doing 1% every day, that's only 100 days. It's only a little over three months. That Then you get to 100%. Now, I'm just throwing that out. Are we ever 100%? No, no, no. These, these metaphors don't totally work for human behavior. It's just it's just to make the point.
0: Yeah. And so who then do you think the book is aimed at? What is there a certain type of person? Is it like a particular demographic?
1: Well, so yeah, I mean, I I wanted to write a book that was uh, kind of for the general population more than people who who just subscribe to mental health stuff or who have been in psychotherapy. So I wanted something broader, again, to reach more people. Well, all that said, it's kind of it's kind of meant for the world. That said, there's a couple populations that seem to be most drawn to it. The one that doesn't surprise me is women aged approximately 35 to 55. That does not surprise me. That's the demographic that tends to be drawn to self-development kinds of things, Mm. generally speaking. Tons of exceptions, but there's a greater proportion in that demographic. The demographic that did surprise me, that has responded so well to my work, is senior citizens. That's where I get the most invitations to come in and do workshops. <laughs> they love this. They love this. I feel like part of that might be because as we age, we appreciate our relationships more. Mm. We know the value of just sitting down with someone and, and having a nice chat over a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Like, like, like by this age, we get to know, oh, that's what really matters that's all that really matters ultimately who cares what the titles behind our name are Mm -hmm. right just be with me and 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 hang out a little
0: (laughs) and is that senior citizens both men and women or is it yes right okay
1: well well still it does tend to be more women but but yes it's there's more gender diversity yeah Mm
0: -hmm. when when did you start writing a
1: Yeah, it was about 12 or 13 years ago now, and it took me a good long time to write, about six years with some long breaks in there, and it's been out about six to seven years now, yeah. Um,
0: Did you, the reactions that you've had to it, well, I mean, you've just told me about demographic that surprised you, but have you got any reactions that really surprised you?
1: So... Tony, what I do now with my workshops, I used to just do a standard kind of book talk and just read from the book and talk to people and tell them about it, hoping to inspire them to connect more deeply with other people. And it didn't, it wasn't working. I realized really quickly, I would, I would say at the end, I hope I've inspired you to connect more deeply. People that would look at me like deer in the headlights, they had no idea what I was talking about. So I realized I needed to provide an experience of actually Doing this, so I created this whole process. I take people through a deep listening with a prompt, a conversation prompt, and so people uh, talk about themselves and are heard, and then they switch roles, and the other person talks about themselves, and the other person listens deeply and feeds back. So they go through this thing, and it's based on themes and values. So they they give feedback based on what they heard for themes and values. And people cry. People are so moved. And and it's two things. Because often people are paired with a stranger, right? And so within a couple minutes with this activity, being deeply listened to and talking about something important to them, they're like, oh my God, you understood me. And they cry and they're so moved and it makes a difference. That is shocking and really cool. On the other hand, sometimes you're with someone you know really well. Sometimes you're sitting next to your best friend or your spouse or partner. And I even had this experience as I was developing this tool with my own husband. So here I am, I've developed this whole process, we're practicing it, we're with our couples group. I already know what the question is. So I kind of think I know what I'm gonna say. And because we've been together so long, I assume I know what my husband's gonna say back. But we go through this and we do it and we both are like, oh my God, because we listened deeply to each other. We said some things in a new way because it's all primed in this experience. Oh my gosh, we were like, this took us to another level really quickly. So yeah, that's really fun, really exciting to be a part of.
0: And can you see a follow-up insight?
1: Well, I'm. It's a yes and no answer that to that question. I am writing another book, uh, but it, to call it a follow up wouldn't quite. I mean, it sort of is a follow up, but it's not like Full Heart Living Two. <laughs> um, so, what I've done is interviewed on camera, and the and the first uh, book I interviewed the happiest people I know on camera, and and the uh, some of those videos are available on my website, fullheartliving.com. dot com, but. Th- now I interviewed trauma survivors looking at, and, and they're super happy, super functioning people. So so the question was or slash is, how, how do you experience really difficult things and live a great life? So that that's where this second project started. Now those videos are also available on my YouTube channel. That's where I started with the second book. But what's coming now and what happens, writing a book is in my, way is, and in many people's ways, is, is a creative experience, right? That you, the muse tells you, right? You, you don't, I'm not in charge. So what's coming now is different, but similar. What I'm writing now is how I work with trauma survivors. What I, what, like key moments in trauma therapy is what I'm writing about now. What really seems to make the difference? When do people really turn the corner? So what happens in the therapy room in in particular? And again, my hope is not that I'm writing an instructional book on how to be a trauma therapist, although that might be helpful for, for that population as well. Again, I really mean it for the general population because just as we all know super happy people, we all know trauma survivors. Most of us or many of us are trauma survivors ourselves. We just don't know it, some of us, or many of us have family members or dear friends who we were talking about this earlier, whose behavior sometimes really puzzles or troubles us. So I, I wanna write, wanted to write a book that would help people uh, uh, discover why this might be and just how to be with someone. That's really what it is. It's just, Again, when I'm a therapist, yes, I have all my training, I have all my years of experience, I bring all that with me. In the end, I'm just a human being. I'm showing up in a particular way, though right? I'm like, I really am in the present moment. I'm listening so deeply. I'm also super aware of what's going on inside me. I'm shuttling back and forth a little bit between each of those all the time, noticing how the person affects my body, how they affect my feelings. So I'm I'm writing about that in the hopes that we will all come to a place where we can just be one human family, despite however wounded we all are, that we can just be with each other.
0: Again, what went through my mind is you were just saying that just now. So earlier you referred to, I, f- I forget the, the name, you talked about a new style of therapy that you were going through where you're working with another person who's kind of looking back at the videos of someone.
1: Yep, like- a- AEDP, Accelerated Experiential And so Dynamics, when, when
0: you were right talking about that, and yep. then what you were saying just then about when you were li- really listening to somebody. Yes. And as you, as you listen to someone and as I was listening to you.
1: Yes. It's just
0: a natural for us. Lots of different thoughts come up as we Correct. hear people say different things. Correct. And we can, we can zero in on any one of those things that someone says. Yes. And then we decide, okay, this is the one I'm going to respond to. But
1: Correct.
0: It's not kind of that whole sliding doors thing. Well maybe instead of responding to that one, maybe I respond to this one, they were going in a completely different direction. Yes.
1: yes. Yes. Right. This is the human experience. Mm. If I'm listening deeply and my main focus is on uh, having the best thing to say in response, that limits how much I can take in. Here's the quote I love about this, and I know that maybe this will be my quote. I know there's a question coming because you primed me. (laughs) Deep listening, Tony, is the willingness to be changed.
0: Mm.
1: I love that quote. I don't know who said it offhand. I'd have to look it up. So if, if I'm just thinking about having a pithy, humorous comment to make, I might interrupt the person before they've even really gone where they need to go with that because it might not even be relevant by the time they get there. Yeah. So if that's my goal is to be smart and funny, I'm not as good a listener. Yeah. But if I'm willing to be changed, like then, then I might hold my thought and I've trained myself to remember the important things and still stay really deeply listening, put it back put it back, put it back in your mind, compartmentalize a little bit, and stay really present. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have decades of experience of doing this, so I can usually do it. Sometimes I forget, and then I trust. If I forget, I let it go. Then that's not meant what I was meant to say. I just trust the process. I trust the universe. Mm -hmm. Because again, when I'm with somebody in psychotherapy, it's not about me being brilliant. I'm a conduit. There's a greater force somewhere way out there. This is where I said earlier, I'm like spiritual. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about this stuff with every client. I'm just doing it. I trust that what needs to happen will happen. And it's not me. This was way back in my training, Tony. I distinctly remember one of the very first people I worked with. Something came out of my mouth. I don't remember what it was, but I have no idea where it came from. And it was just the right thing to say. I didn't plan it. I was spontaneous. I was in the moment. It was like it came through me. I'm a channel. It came through me. Somebody out there knew the right thing to say. It was not me. I have to get myself out of the way. That's what I know. I have to get out of my head. I don't discard it. Mm -hmm. This is very useful. It gives us a ton of information. I bring this with me, but it's not the main thing I'm leading with. I'm leading with my heart. I'm leading with my ears. I'm leading with my presence. I'm just showing up. I'm being with you. You'll say what you need to say. I'll respond in the way I need to respond to. Trusting, staying in the flow. It's really fun. It's really hard work. Mm. It's, it takes a lot of energy. But yes, all this stuff, there's all this chatter that goes on. Tolerating that. I'm not, again, I'm not like saying, oh, I'm such a bad person for doing that, for Sometimes somebody's talking and I think about my grocery list or something, right? That, that's just how the mind works. Yeah. I accept that. Yeah. But I go, oh, I don't need to do my grocery list now. Come back to the present. And this is in a nanosecond. Yeah. I notice that's what I did and I come back. This is what matters now.
0: And it comes from working on mindfulness, and meditation and so on, isn't it? Absolutely.
1: And you talked about that.
0: I, I'm, I mean, we're running out of time. There's, there's yeah, I know. many more things I'd like to discuss. Yes. I want yes. to go into, I love the fact that as well as the psychologist and life coach, so you're also a yoga instructor. I find that yes. fascinating. And So do you, are there clients that you're doing all three with, or is, it, is that separated, or how, how is that?
1: Very unusual that a, a yoga student is a client. Right. If, if we were in a super small town and there were no other options, you know, I might make an exception, but we're we're trained to be really careful with boundaries because there's so many other good therapists. A yoga student, I would refer to another psychotherapist, yeah.
0: And so with the yoga, are you bringing in elements of sort of mindfulness and so on as?
1: Well? Absolutely. Yoga is mindfulness, yeah. the whole point of yoga is the last most difficult posture, shavasana laying still on our back. That's the most difficult posture because the mind goes. All of that prep helps us get into a place of meditation so that we can just be in the present moment. Yes. And as well as throughout the postures, of course, I'm bringing in mindfulness, but but all good yoga teachers are. Holding a yoga posture, what comes up in your mind Mm-hmm. what's taking you out of the present moment what's happening that's all mindfulness mm-hmm. what's happening in your body and your mind mm-hmm. and in your spirit in your energetic body it's that is mindfulness all comes together that's part of why i love yoga because mm-hmm. it's such a great way to what i'm talking about mindfulness yeah
0: we are running out of time so before yes. while, i'm going to change the subject it's something i ask all of my guests And I get some fascinating answers from this question. So, is there a book that's moved you for any reason?
1: Yes. So, when I was just about to go into my senior year of high school, I was babysitting. And in the basement of our neighbor's home, they had this paperback by Maxwell Maltz called The Magic Power of Self Image Psychology. Maxwell Maltz was a dermatologist. Sorry, I'm sorry, a, a plastic surgeon.
0: Yeah, I've read a book by him, Cybernetics, something. About yes, that.
1: Yeah. yes, 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 yes. In, in this book, he talked about he would fix people's faces, let's say. Some people would be so happy with the nose job or whatever. Oh, exactly what I wanted. I'm so happy. Thank you, doctor. The other person looks in the mirror and goes, oh, it's still me there. thanks but uh (laughs) and he's like it's not about the face right it's about the insides and he realized that the self-image so what we believe about ourselves is what other people believe so i read this before i go into my senior year of high school so super young and i start playing with this idea and i And and, you know, it's a time of life, right? When we're all like figuring out who we are and we're all, you know, it's such a difficult time of life and oh, I don't have enough friends and blah, blah, blah. I start playing with, huh, if I think I'm a good person, if I think I'm a positive person, if I think I'm a person that people might like, maybe they'll think that it worked. I'm telling you, it worked. And not in a narcissistic bragging way, just Mm. like, oh, maybe I'm an okay person. I started. Thinking that about myself. And then I'm sure my behaviors also reflected it. It's not just the thoughts, but the thoughts then guided my behaviors. And I was looking for friends and looking how I was interacting with people. It all, there's a synergy then. Mm -hmm. It worked. That made a huge impact on my life. And isn't it interesting that all these decades later, I'm talking about self compassion?
0: Well, and have you ever,
1: right?
0: Have have you ever, looked at the book in recent years?
1: No, I haven't. That's a great idea. I should. That's a great idea. (laughs) Because maybe my memory of it doesn't even... (laughs) Who knows, right? I mean, memory can be... (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good idea. I would love to. If you can find it, it's probably out of print. I'm going to write that down. Thank you for the homework, Tony.
0: And most things you can find, I mean, if you can't find anywhere else, Kindle has, you know, because it doesn't need the actual print, does it? That's true. Yeah. I will do that. Well, I, if if people want to find out more about you, Tom, where are the best places to look?
1: I am on Instagram and Facebook. I mentioned FullHeartLiving.com. That's probably the best way. I do have a YouTube channel, the Full Heart Living YouTube channel. Yeah, so.
0: Okay, and you've got... Yes, webinars and and you've got courses, what well, haven't you?
1: Yes, through the Yoga Center retreat out of Minneapolis, uh, I offer workshops. Many of them are either online, one hundred percent, or hybrid, okay. so available to people anywhere. Yep, I have four courses coming up over the next um, five months okay. or so. Yeah, please, everything on high, being a highly sensitive person, two self-compassion, uh, one on my book. Yep, where we go through that activity that I was mentioning where, with the deep listening, yeah.
0: Well, we'll have details of all of those will be in the show. Okay. So just before we finish, um, I mean, again, question I ask everyone is, is there a quote that resonates with you? Are you guys, I don't know, you're going to use the one you used before or have you got a different quote?
1: Okay, let's do a different one as long as we have time. This one really helped me when I was writing my book, my first book. Everything you want is out there waiting for you to ask. Everything you want also wants you, but you have to take action to get it. That's by Jules Renard.
0: And why does that resonate?
1: I love that second line. Everything you want also wants you. It was like, oh, there's this other force. It isn't just me wanting something. I have to work, 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 work. It was like, oh, there's another force out there that wants me to do that thing. It wants me. And the third line, it's not just going to happen just because I want it. Just visualizing it, just seeing it. And then, then it's, there's something about visualizing. I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. But I also, well, I, I got to do some homework. Writing a book is one of the hardest things I've done in my entire life. And I just kept showing up day after day after day, writing, 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 and then finding somebody to design the cover and you know you know on and on and on all the tests so keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it and it worked and i just find this with other people there's people people everyone has dreams we all have dreams lean into your dreams it's it's like the third thing help your people connect with other people themselves their passions lean into your passion go for it if it brings you alive pursue it
0: Tom, I think we'll we'll stop there. That's a great place to stop. Thank you for your time. It's been a fascinating discussion.
1: And thank you, Tony. Sure. You are a deep listener. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, That's thank sweet. you. And I I think it's gonna be helpful for people to maybe think in a different way about how if they are trying to reach out for someone to help them, to to coach them, to to guide mm-hmm. them, whatever it may be. Well, I hope Think so. about it in a different way you know, about how to try to find that person and how important it is. It can be mm. so important. Yeah, yeah. So I think that might be one. That's such a could be such an important thing for many of the listeners. So I hope yeah. that does help to help someone. So thank you, Tom.
1: Pleasure. Thank
0: you. Next week is episode 100 of Habits and Health with Joanne Kennedy. She's a naturopath and a specialist in MTHFR, histamine intolerance and gut health, especially SIBO and also women's hormones. She runs a successful clinic practice in Sydney, Australia, but she sees patients online worldwide. And we we talk a lot about identifying the root cause of illness, about using functional pathology testing. And we dig a lot into histamine intolerance, what that is, why it's at the center of so many different conditions we talk about her book that she just has a book on histamine as well so that's next week episode 100 with joanne kennedy if you know anyone who get some some more value from the wisdom that tom Glazer shared of us in this week's episode please do share the show with them and hope you have a great week
1: thanks for tuning into the habits and health podcast where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits & Health Podcast.